Hello. It is June 2nd. I can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to this show. Last night in Indianapolis, protesters marched from downtown to the governor's house where they were met by Indianapolis Police Department. After an hour standoff, the cops took their helmets off, put their batons down, and the protesters and police officers hugged each other, and then they marched together back downtown, talking to each other about how we have to find a common ground. And I hope this becomes a real thing that happens and real change is initiated from it. To be honest, almost got a tear in my eye watching it after what has gone on in America this past weekend. A lot of conversation about that during today's show. J.R. Smith stopped by for a 30-minute conversation about everything that happened this weekend to him, everything that happened in America, and the messaging behind all of it. And also, we talked about the basketball. Had to do it. Can't thank you enough for listening. If you enjoy the show, please tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to download the show. And if you didn't enjoy it, just act like it never fucking happened. Hashtag this is where I'm at, Pat. Post a picture where you're listening to this show. We're putting together something beautiful. We've been battling this entire quarantine, and I'm not sure quarantine's still going on. Feels like the coronavirus disappeared, just like Joe Exotic did at the beginning of this whole thing. Let's have a show. Let's do this. Let's get right to it. Joining us now is an NBA champion. He was a sixth man of the year, a living legend on and off the court. Last night, he displayed that while beating the hell out of an aggravator, a rioter, a destroyer who was trying to shape the narrative away from what the protesters were protesting. A man who protested himself this weekend for equality and against police injustice. Ladies and gentlemen, a man that I beat at golf, J.R. Smith. Yes, Hey man, I appreciate you guys having me, man. It's been a, it's a real honor and a, uh, and a pleasure to be on your show, man. I've been watching you for since since the Bahamas, and honestly, man, I'm so happy to see you uh, transcend into what, what your show has become, and it's great, man. It's great to be a part of it, and I appreciate you guys. JR, I can't thank you enough for joining us, man. I wanted to send out, because you followed me after that Bahamas thing, and I'm a big yeah. fan, so I followed you back, and there's you, by the way. I believe you're talking massive amounts of uh, verbiage to me here while celebrating on the bus afterwards, but I didn't want to waste... I didn't want to shoot my shot and blow it. You know, I didn't want to be like, hey, Joe, come on the show. So I had to wait until something electric and legendary happened with you. And because getting to meet you in person, you were such a cool dude, nice to everybody, literally nice to everybody. And then last night, obviously, video surfaces of you getting into it with somebody who was taking the narrative of a protest in which I think was very powerful and I think very a potential pivotal moment in American society because it felt as if everybody was on George Floyd's side in this thing. Normally, that is not the case. Normally, there's some idiots that are like, well, let's see the whole video, let's see this. This was one where I think all of America, especially coming out of this quarantine, was like, hey, we all are on this side. 2020 is the year we say no more of this. And then these rioters and agitators got involved and almost started sending the narrative in a different direction and you got caught up with one. What was your weekend like before this, obviously? And then let's talk about what happened before this video aired and who the hell is the respect is privacy guy because that guy's a legend as well. 
Man, um, you know it's crazy because I was at I was at home, man. I'm a big. Uh, I opened up my gaming company. I'm a big, uh, you know, gamer and stuff. And I was playing Call of Duty, and you know, I'm so in the Call of Duty. You hear helicopters, you hear gunshots and stuff like that. So when my boy, one of my Jordan Clarkson, he lives down the street from me. He was like, "Yo, uh, come outside. You see what's going on? Cut the news on. Cut the news on." I'm like, "What?" I cut the news on, and I take the headphones off. And I hear four helicopters surrounding my house. So I don't really, like, I didn't turn the news on yet that, that, that day. So I didn't really know what was going on. So I cut the news on. And this shit is going on at the corner of my house, like literally on the corner. So I get out, walk down, uh, protest with some of the people. I, I, I hand out waters and take pictures and stuff. I got some dope-ass footage. And it was just like... It was so much. It was so much love, and every it, it seemed like so so many people were unified at the time. And then you know you get to the scenes where you see people burning cars down, breaking in uh, breaking in stores and shit. And it's just like, bro, like I'm not for this. Like this is not what it's about. This is not what it's for. Like for more than anything, when when they when people see this uh, on TV, when they see uh, people turning stuff over, knocking like breaking shit, it's not going to give us a good light after this going forward. So it's not, it's not in my eyes, not helping the situation. Now you want to peacefully protest a hundred percent. We we can do that all day. But once you get to vandalizing people's personal property that has nothing to do with nothing, like, and, and a hundred percent, honestly, I'm the only black guy on my block. I'm the only black person on this, on this corner. So for you to randomly just thinking you're doing something for the people, the one that one black person who was able to get out the, the situation and move into a nice neighborhood and do all of those things that we aspire to do, you broke that person's window without even knowing. So it's it's like you, people are consist, consistently doing stuff when you don't even know what you're doing it for or why you're doing. It. You out of all the people, a hundred percent. Now, granted, if he would have seen me and seen somebody outside the car or outside the house or whatever, do I think he would have broke it? Absolutely not. It was just a random act of stupidness, and I give him that. But that ass whooping was a random act of stupidness on my behalf. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, because I think the people that were exploiting this opportunity to take advantage of it to cause chaos, I think they were distracting away from a real movement that was happening in America. I said this earlier. Normally, whenever things like this happen, whether it's Ferguson or Baltimore or New York or Atlanta, and it happens too often, but normally when these things happen, it's regionalized, right? It's cities doing things. It's normally just one particular group of people talking. This particular time, because of the eight minutes and 41 seconds, and because everybody's, it became a national thing, and it became like a... Look at Hong Kong. They're marching to Hong Kong and everything. Like it's 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 going so so like out of what we've normally seen in a positive way. Yes. So it's like it's it's just complete vandalism. It's so many like people in Minneapolis are doing like really sit down, giving speeches, lectures, and trying to educate people on what is going on and try to figure out a, a solution, not vandalize people's property and and add on to the chaos to where you give a, a person a reason to shoot you or do do something harmful to you. This this man was down there for eight minutes and forty six seconds for no reason. No, for no, what, what, literally, like like being taking the life from him, calling from his calling for his dead mother, and then we go out here and quote unquote trying to represent his name in a good way and between tarnishing people's shops and like so many people have nothing to do 
with the situation, like I was walking down Melrose, there's so many people from the Middle East and all these people who are immigrants who fought their way over here, who struggled to get out of their situation to come and try to provide and make a better life that we all strive for are supposedly striving for. And we go out there and vandalize these people properly, breaking windows, stealing their stuff and all it like I seen this I seen this guy, he he had he put everything into his store. He was this man was seventy something years old. He's got fortunately he's got kids and grandkids and all that, but insurance and all that oh insurance will take care of it insurance shouldn't have to take care of it yeah it shouldn't we should have to we should be we should be able to lock arms and stand in front of somebody's store and be like no this is not right this is what we're protesting against being able to do stuff like this is not right well and i think the good thing about it is normally in the past I think this type of thing where there's the looting and all that stuff and the windows getting broken that you're referring to, it happened in our city as well. Normally that would distract people from the message of what's happening. I think we're at a point though where people aren't getting distracted. And I'm saying that because when your video came out, normally black guy, rich NBA guy beats the hell out of a little white kid, right? Normally the internet would be so excited to burn you down for this particular situation. Like J.R. Smith, idiot, makes a bad decision. Instead, the complete opposite happened. And that's why I have faith that America in 2020 somehow, some way is stronger than the idiots because everybody saw what you did to them. White, old, young, Asian, Latino, Jewish, whatever, our entire, everybody saw what you did to that person was like, damn right. Like that is somebody I think that everybody saw as an enemy. And I think that's why that video was so important. And your response, by the way, follow-up response was even better. I do have to talk about one thing though. Your kick, your <laughs> kick, we need you to get, you know what I mean? You, I don't know if you can see over my championship belt here. But <laughs> my, your hip, we need to get the hip in. We need to get the hip around on that thing a little bit. Man, I was trying to go Bones Jones or Anderson Silver or something, but it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's sad? Because like after the, like the first two kicks, I, I really got in. It really like in the third one, you could you could kind of see it. It wasn't that much emphasis on it because I. I, I at that point, when it happened, I seen red. And then when I like when I finally snapped two and what was going on, I was so I'm still still like disappointed with myself. Even though people say I shouldn't be, but it's just like for me, I'm 34 years old. I have four little girls at home. You know, I got and for I don't I don't want that image of, of regardless of the fact whether it was right or wrong. I don't want them to have that image of their dad being able to being capable of doing that and doing something like that. Now, if something harms them or something like that, I want them to know that 100% my dad is going to protect me in in all facets and everything. But I just never want my kids and-, and JR, I, I have to stop you there. Because your four daughters, right? You're fighting for their future, technically. Yeah, 100%. You know what I mean? And that person that is vandalizing your window and vandalizing property is taking away from the message that is potentially helping your daughters in the future that we all want to see happen. So I don't think you should feel bad. Granted, it's not a good look, right? That's going to be something in 10 years where you might feel bad about. But I'll tell you what, in this particular room, we are going to look at that in 10 years and go, hey, you remember when J.R. Smith beat the hell out of that little anarchist <laughs> yeah. punk? Okay, so uh, we are... I'm proud of you, to be honest with you. And I know that doesn't mean much because uh, we've only hung out a couple times, but I think watching that video, I've, I was so proud because it was just such a cool moment. Now, let's talk about basketball, can we? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, let me cut you off. It does mean a lot to me because 100% my peers are, 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 are people in a position to where we are articulating these kids' future. 
and yes. for for your appreciation for what I do and people who watch you and understand that and the way you say is it, not nothing wrong I appreciate that because it's people who are younger generation who are still confused on on what happened on and, and need context on what was right and what is wrong because I, I still get mentions and obviously in DMs or oh and I was messed up you have insurance and stuff like that but to but to be taught that that is wrong regardless of what that person did, I, the, the action that the, that caused that reaction, that person was wrong. And that the message that we're, like you said, we're not going to get away from is the injustice. And that's and that's one thing that, you know, I appreciate you for pushing and uh, trying to, you know, keeping that good message alive. Hey, no worries, because it's real. I, this isn't a race thing, okay? This is people against racists. And right. that's the difference between this particular movement as opposed to the past movement. In the past, it was somehow deemed race versus race. Like, hey, if you stand with uh, the folks in Ferguson or in Baltimore or in New York, like this is a race versus race thing. Now it's like, hey, we're at the point where we've all been through so much with this quarantine lockdown. We've all seen the chance where it's like, hey, our world can be snatched up from us like this. It kind of is like a locker room. I talked about how a locker room opened my eyes to a lot of people that I would have never met. It put a face on a lot of different hoods from around the country and you become a lot more understanding once you meet people and talk to them it's kind of like how this time everybody has kind of felt like hey you know what we're in this thing together this isn't race versus race anymore this is race versus racist and hopefully we'll be able to eradicate that from our society and I think we're there even though the holes of the ass tried to ruin that and one of them just so happened to catch a couple rights and a kick to from J.R. Smith last thing before we move on from the video who was the respect his privacy guy that guy you need to keep around i think that's oh, that's, you- that's my guy man that's my guy dar from uh Zulan in new york he, he owns a couple restaurants uh, <laughs> he, he really looked out for me man i appreciate it yeah, it was like, well, personally, I wish you would have got the hell out of the way so we could. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk basketball. That guy right there, Darv, legend of a man right there. Uh, by the way, anytime you have a friend who's trying to block cameras from shooting you doing something that could perceive as negative, you got to keep that person around. Shout out to him for being a friend. Let's talk basketball now. We saw you on bikes riding around the city with Bron Bron and AD. We know you're good friends with LeBron. You aren't retired, but you're not currently in the NBA. What is the future looking like for J.R. Smith? The NBA is better with you in it. We all believe that. Uh, I appreciate it, man. It's uh, it's been a roller coaster because I've been, like I said, I've been in the league 15 years, and and being since coming out of high school, this is all I've known as, as a as a as a man, as a kid. I've literally grown with this. Uh, people call it a job or whatever, but it, for me, it's a lifestyle because just just the basketball is, is is my life, and to not be a part of something that I've been a part of for so long at the highest level is it was so uh, deteriorating. Honestly, I felt like I was just, uh, I was depressed. I felt like, you know, the finding a purpose of ever getting up every day and, and, and doing something was, was a struggle for a long time. And fortunately I've gotten out of that. Uh, I've gotten out of that rut and gotten back into the love and appreciation of the game. And uh, it's, it's been, it hasn't been easy. I tell you that it hasn't been easy. But I, fortunately, I'm healthy. I can't wait to get back if I get an opportunity to, and uh, I'm ready for sure. 
Hey, you're more than just a basketball player. Remember that. Your identity doesn't lie in just the money that you made. You need to know that, too. I think you showed that yesterday, and you showed that this weekend while you were protesting. I'm happy you made it out of that dark place. Now, let's talk about how you got out of the Cavaliers organization. <laughs> this is one of the most interesting things I have ever seen in my entire life. So, LeBron leaves. You're still under contract with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Was this in the time that you were just referring to as being a little bit depressed because of how long you've been around the league, or did that come after you and the Cleveland Cavaliers decided to part ways no that came after um honestly that had so much to do with it because for me i'm a as a competitor and i, I know you you are a competitor as well like i don't as fun as as, as fun as you have you know holding that championship but i can't wait to beat you guys next year <laughs> it's not gonna happen the competitiveness we have with each other there's nothing personal or anything like that that's just the competitiveness and when Braun left our team and our owners and our general manager and they didn't want to be competitive anymore they didn't want to they didn't want to strive to make the playoffs they didn't want to be a, a better team they wanted to rebuild for a future that not me and the current players who went through the trenches to win a championship to losing three finals and all of that to okay well thanks but no thanks we're good like all right and we're just like like bro how you good like how can you do that like i've, I've been on this team for the last four years, going to the finals every single year, com competing, striving, at least give us the opportunity to start the season off. And you know what? If we're not good enough and, and midway through the year, listen, guys, we're going to switch it up. We're going to make some trades, get you guys out of here. Da, da, da. And if, it, if you would have told me that from the door, I, could, I can't argue with that because that's you're, you're being honest with me. You're being upfront with me and, and telling me everything. But in our situation, it's like, oh, yeah, no. I told I told guys in the summertime. I said, "Listen, I want to be in Cleveland. I want to be a Cavalier. I know Bron's gone and everything, but obviously, I know you guys have some decisions to make. So if you're gonna if you want to break the team up and do whatever and not be competitive, let me know, and how we can try to make work out of trade or buy out. However, the situation will go. And they were the whole time they were telling me like, "Oh no, we're gonna be competitive. We're gonna try to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. We're we're still that team." And that one person doesn't define our team. And I'm like, "Okay, cool. Now I'm going into a different mindset. We're like, okay, I have to be more aggressive. I gotta I gotta do this. I gotta I gotta be more of a leader. I gotta be more vocal. I gotta do so many more things." And then when I get to the training camp and everything else, it's just like, "Oh nah, we're just this isn't the way we're gonna go." I'm like, "You could have told me this two months ago when yeah. we had this conversation." Yeah. It feels like in basketball, we're learning this now at the last dance. I think a lot of people got to see it. Now, all the storylines and who's upset at who for how they're portrayed, that, that is not what I want to talk about here. I want to talk about how the storylines is always like, you have a great team, and then do we break it up? Do we move forward? Jerry Krause was painted in not great light. I assume in this particular case, whenever you're lied to about a team being uh, moving forward in a competitive fashion, as opposed to just kind of rolling over and decide trying to lose, that can be very upset. The conversations in the locker room, though, and I want to move to the last dance. The conversations in the locker room. You got a chance to play with LeBron. You and LeBron uh, were a great tag team. I mean, three finals, you win it. Now, granted, there's obviously that situation in Golden State that you probably have to talk about 7,000 times in your entire life. Which, yeah. I, I can, <laughs> what's that? All the time, literally all the time. <laughs> what happened? You know, it's funny. Like when it, it, over the course of the game, and it's happened to me numerous times before. And I'm not going to sit here and say it didn't. Like I get so caught up in the game and my matchups and stuff. I try to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing, where I got to go, and stuff like that. I don't. 
I get caught up in not looking at this clock. I get caught up in not looking at the score and shit like that. And granted, could have been the, the most pivotal time to look up and all of that. Yeah, of course, obviously. But in the situation, it was just like I knew that my efforts, what I was trying to do, was help us win the game. Now, whether we lost the game or not, that's regardless of the fact. What do we? What do we have won the series or not? Probably not. Who knows? Whatever. But. KD was on fire. There was no chance. But I don't want to. I don't want to blame you guys or anything. You guys are good too. Right. But. My efforts were solely to try and win. It's not like I'm. I'm getting paid for, for from a bookie to try and lose the game or anything. I'm. You can sit there and see. I'm obviously trying to win. Anybody who knows me, been on my team. I'm. I'm a, as competitive as they come. But at the same time, I understand the time we live in of social media and everything else and stuff like that. I mean, look at. As great as Charles Barkley was, as great as Charles Barkley was, he could have won a championship too. If he'd not fouled in the, in games, what, six, when Ooh. they played the Bulls? Do we not like Charles Barkley? Hold on, I just need to know. Do we not no, like No, I don't have a problem with Charles Barkley. I don't, okay. No, 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 right. not like that. I, <laughs> I, was, I understand the time that we live in, things are going to be way more emphasized and way more on on the limelight or whatever than, than, it is, than it's going to be for – things in the past i understand that and i've grown to take advantage of those situations and, and aspects too so i'm not immune to things coming back to harm me and memes and stuff like that so when people ask me about it i don't take it personally things it was a mistake jr people make mistake trying to make the best effort that i could was it not good enough i tell people all the time i make i make a hundred percent i give you a hundred percent effort all the time something whether it be good enough for you or not that's something you're gonna have to deal with, but I'm gonna give you everything I got. It was a mistake. Things happen. That it, literally, you, that, that things happen. It's a mistake, especially in sports with the tensions and the rivalry and the amount of pressure and spot. You people make mistakes. These things type of happen. I think, by the way, the reaction of LeBron is the biggest one, which is what I wanted to talk about here. What was LeBron like as a teammate? Because we got a chance to see what Jordan was like as a teammate, and the conversation is always Bron or Jordan, Bron or Jordan. I think it was two very different sports. When Michael Jordan was playing basketball, it was a very different basketball than what it is when LeBron plays. I was like a rugby basketball. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, Stockton's dribbling like this. There's no way. There's no, like, and obviously all the, the, comes with evolution of time and stuff like that because obviously there weren't tight ends like Gronk and back when in you know the 50s or whatever but with all due respect to like when people try to compare the generations oh could this people could this person play with them and this like when you if you could put realist Chris Paul versus Bob Cousy who do you think is gonna win <laughs> like seriously bro like Chris Steph Curry versus Dennis Johnson or somebody like bro, come on! Like granted, those, those people were great in their era. They were uh, unbelievable for their time, and they helped us get to the stepping stones where we are and at the level we are today. But don't knock us for following y'all footsteps and making it quote unquote somewhat either more entertaining or better. That's, that's what y'all, that's what you guys did for us. 
Well, Jordan was a trailblazer, right? So Jordan was the first one to do a lot of things, right? So I think that's why when you hear people talk about Jordan, how there's like, no way LeBron will ever be better than Jordan. You got to think about the people that were watching basketball back in the day when Jordan showed up and started taking off from the uh, foul line, whenever he was going up and under. Things that we see literally every single night in basketball had never been seen before. So I think Jordan, trailblazer, somebody that set the standard like, hey, this is how basketball is going to go. And then with nutrition, exercise, size techniques getting dialed in everything just got a lot better it's two very different sports but what was lebron like as a teammate because seeing behind the closed door there about jordan being a teammate he was hard i got a chance to obviously watch peyton be great he wasn't like jordan but he was uh, he held people accountable for everything they did i would assume lebron's the same type of player yeah he definitely holds you accountable um but one thing one thing about Bron, he leads by example with his work uh he gives i think that's the that's the biggest and he's his biggest attribute is being able to pull people along with his work ethic. Like he he doesn't mind going to the gym and, and grabbing me, Kev, Tristan, uh, RJ, Channing, Shump, Kyrie, like literally hand by hand. Like, all right, come on, we going to the gym. We going we doing this. We're doing that. We're going to, we're going to go as a, as a team. We go eat. We're going here to do this. Like he and he's so very. I mean, obviously, it's easier for the the better players to do it, but for my existence, Jordan didn't do it. Kobe didn't do it. A lot of players that quote unquote had that quote unquote killer mentality aren't that type of person to do it. And he is, he doesn't, I, I wouldn't say he's not a, he's not a scorer. So a scorer is like a person who has a one track mind to do one individual thing. That's like a sniper. I'm, I'm, I'm out here to snipe people and pluck people off and that's it. Jordan and, and and Kobe and those dudes, they did play defense, but they were scorers. Those guys, they're going to put a 50, 60, 70 points a night. When you get somebody who's so well-rounded with rebounding, scoring, passing, dribbling, uh, a good teammate, it's, it's, it's totally different. It's, it's a totally different uh, atmosphere. He's a totally different person than than those guys so when, you, when people compare them, it's just like there's no comparison because you can't you can't compare a lion and a tiger. You can't compare them. They're both cats, but they're not the same. (laughs) They both played basketball. Both guys played basketball at a very high level. Two very different ways of operating, though. Yeah, gotcha. But you got to understand, the the lion is the king of the jungle. Everybody bows down to the lion. The the tiger, the tiger, that don't stop the tiger from listening, motherfucker. I'm a bad motherfucker, too. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> that is beautiful. Uh, before we let you go, I can't thank you enough for joining us, JR. You are I awesome, by the way. You, You're really appreciate awesome for this. Um, whenever you are on bike rides with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, uh, are there conversations, and I'm assuming others too, that I just didn't happen to know their name and that's on me, but is, is there conversations about the potential rollout plans for what the NBA is thinking about doing down in Orlando? And how is the discussion going from the NBA player side of things? And will you potentially be joining any teams whenever that Orlando thing kicks off? Um, we had a conversation about it. Um, I, th- I think everybody in the, uh, the players are, are moving towards the Orlando situation just because it's more um, – it's it, it's more uh, obviously the state of Florida is opening up, and I think the, the the governors and the mayors and everything they're more reluctant to to stay open if if 
the coronavirus outbreak goes even like if one person catches it, I think they're more reluctant to stay open than any other states. So I think that's the main reason why they're they're uh, they're they're looking well, at Orlando, and also because Disney's a big sponsor, ESPN, yeah, ABC. Yeah. yeah, I mean, get obviously, uh, but if, I mean, the thing about it, if you really if they wanted to play, I mean, we got we have the resources to literally play anywhere if we really realistically wanted to. We have the money and, and the capabilities to get people tested or, or on schedule or reluctantly. It's just a matter of how we're going to do it. So at the end of the day, I mean, I think it's going to happen. I think I'll, I, I hopefully I'll be on the team. It's just a matter of how can they structure it the right way with 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 everybody. The players do want it to. I think the biggest difference between the NBA and let's say the MLB or anything else is like LeBron has come out and said, "Hey, we want to do this." The big stars, Chris Paul has come out and said, "Hey, we want to yeah. do this." Is that narrative accurate? Like behind the scenes, they do want to get this done because this could be one of the coolest things of all time if they have a bracket style. If this thing has a little bit of March Madness, like this could be a really cool thing for the nba yeah i i mean i think i would i would i think so i think a lot of guys want to do it i also i was 100 percent know guys you know like a, a cj mccullum and certain guys are have more um i want to be want to be more aware of what's going on and and try to be more uh cognizant of you know the social issues with corona and everything not obviously with black lives matter and everything but with this particular situation, Corona, because there's so many different people's health issues. So it's, it's a lot of people who want to play, but it's just as many people who are, you know, hesitant. worried about their own health and stuff like that. A little hesitant, obviously. I think yeah. we all are because we have no idea what could potentially happen tomorrow. JR, I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for what you did last night because that person that you beat the hell out of was trying to distract us all from what we're really trying to do here, which is make a better America for everybody. I want to show you our uh, guy that's been answering phones today, Big JR Smith fan. He did uh, today's show shirtless for you. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's my dog. Hey, man, I'm with you, bro. <laughs> yeah. Because my thing, uh, uh. I, my things, ladies and gentlemen, legend on and off the court, J.R. Smith. Yeah, JR. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, try to get you one of these someday. Hey, man, next year for sure. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll see you. What a legend. Yeah, that was awesome. That was a special interview. Hey, that was cool. Yeah. Hey, Lion and Tiger. Don and Westwood One's not going to love that answer, but that's one of the best lines <laughs> I've ever heard in my entire life. He's a good dude, man. He was so nice to us, mm, by the way. Yeah. Like, literally, I was in there, what? We were the loudest group of little white kids in there. We were hanging out in the regular casino, too. Everybody's back in the rich area. JR comes out, daps us up, sits down next to us, introduced me to... I mean, JR's a good guy. Great conversation. Thankful for him. Today's show is brought to you by Lisa. Lisa Mattress is a, the mattress that I'm laying on currently uh, next to my lady and our pit bull and Sharpay. Chuck the Corgi now sleeps outside the room. Locked out. Still inside the house, outside of the bedroom. But he can kind of run and shit and piss wherever the hell he wants, just outside of the bedroom because he gets a little bit bossy with the bed and where he puts his ass out on the pillows and stuff like that. But I can't blame him because when you get a chance to sleep on a Lisa mattress, you take advantage of it. This is the most comfortable bed I've ever been on. And this bed showed up at my front door in a box. That box was unpacked in less than five minutes, and whammy, the best mattress I've ever slept on is now in my bedroom, thanks to Lisa. That's what they do. Lisa took this car salesman aspect out of the mattress shopping business. 
No longer do you got to go lay on. No, you can't now, obviously, because quarantine, which is good news. New bed can come. Probably wearing out your bed right now, whether it's making love or just laying on your ass, doing whatever you got to do to get through this whole thing. New bed can come in a couple of days, bang, in a box to your front door, unpack it, put it in the bedroom. You got the most comfortable mattress you've ever had. And for right now, you get up to $200 off and free shipping at lisa.com. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com. It'll be worth it. It's changed our entire sleep. I mean, it's really good stuff. Lady, do you agree? Love it. She loves the mattress. See, lady, she's obviously a lot lighter than I am, smaller than, I'm, than I am. You would think, oh, no, the bed won't be able. They did all the studies. They did all the science. It's great for all body types. Just like this show. Oh, smooth transition, winning awards for that type of stuff. Hello, and welcome to McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk. I am your host, one of your hosts, Pat McAfee. This is Sports Talk alongside the man next to me named AJ Hawk. AJ, how are you feeling? I feel pretty good. I'm not sure what you're doing, but I feel pretty good. We're, we're back. We got recharged over the weekend. You had a big J.R. Smith interview earlier today, so all is well. We would like to obviously address the fact that we are saddened that the powerful protests that were launched this weekend in the past couple of days in the name of George Floyd, in which the entire country seemed to be on one side of this thing, and we were potentially getting to a pivotal point, a paramount point in our nation's history that kind of got distracted a little bit with the riots and the uh, destruction of things and the fires that were burning. So we we're kind of saddened by that, but optimistic for the fact that it feels as if we're all on the same page and we can separate the message from the carnage. And that is a good thing because normally we as a uh, society aren't able to do such a thing. And I thought J.R. Smith did a good job of explaining it too when he talked to you earlier. Like he... Yeah, what do you, he made a comment? Can't we all just lock arm in arm and protect businesses and try not to try to de-escalate things? Whatever it seems like, what he was trying to do. I know the end game wasn't that. He's just holding a kid accountable, I guess, for breaking his window. Hey, hey, when he beat the hell out of that kid, because <laughs> I, I was watching this stuff all weekend. You know, I was watching. I was as much of the world was all weekend, and the people that were just you know exploiting this opportunity to really just handle. Uh, and, and kind of dismantle things and light things on fire. I mean, it was like upsetting. It was like, come on, like this, you got people protesting over here and then you got you guys just doing your own jackass thing. And it's like, you're taking the message away from these. Whenever there's a real, this is like a real momentum push at this point too, that our society I don't think has seen ever. I don't think we have ever seen the momentum that we potentially had. Everybody watched that George Floyd video and was like, that can't do it. And then now the conversation's gonna be like, well, Five cities were burnt down last night. It's like, no, come on, come on. It could have been five cities had powerful protests that really hopefully are going to enact some actual change in our society. But it was great talking to JR. And the fact that he beat the hell out of that guy, I am such a big fan of. I mean, chasing him down, he said. He said he's uh, looking to get back in the NBA, so he's in some good shape. I mean, this guy catches an in-shape guy who's just kind of been working out and protesting, and he's you happen to just slaughter his truck's wind. I mean, that is a recipe for disaster for little white Caucasian anarchists that just thought he was going to go fuck around in the Bel, uh, Bel Air uh, neighborhood and just kind of do some damage. Catches him. Did, J did JR say, has he been in contact with this kid at all? 
No. JR has no idea who he is. And that kid will never come out, by the way. Because if that. Will the kid, he won't press charges? Can't. Can't. This is like what happens when people allegedly rob drug dealers, right? When you rob a drug dealer, you're just assuming that the drug dealer can't call the cops because what you robbed from the drug dealer was in itself illegal. So they can't incriminate themselves by calling the cops on you, right? So that's why that is something that happens. For this particular case, if this person calls and press charges on J.R. Uh, Smith, let's assume J.R. Smith's uh, lawyers are gonna be pretty good at this point. Uh, and also, I would assume they'd be able to pin so many other things on this. This person could potentially end up being charged with like over a million dollars worth of vandalism and damage and all this type of shit. If they were, if that person's oppressed charges, they would have to, then they're getting what? Doxed or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So now everybody knows who they are. Then they're getting pinned with a lot of, they can't do it. So it's like, I'm not saying that J.R. Smith, if he was to go back, he should do more to the person which I assume a lot of people are saying, but I think it's gonna to be tough, just like it was tough to catch anybody that was banging through windows because they all had masks on and they weren't getting arrested. In Indianapolis, there's full ski masks, people busting out windows, they'll never be caught unless they were to come out and say, you know what, that window I was broken fought back, hit me in the face, I'd like to sue that building. Like, that just can't happen, you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it obviously, it 100% should not happen. If the, the kids should just take the L and realize, like, hopefully it's a good moment in his life. The kid's like, hey, I was, I was reckless. I got caught up. I broke this dude's window. And guess what? He held me accountable. And I did it to the wrong guy. So hopefully it kind of changes that kid's you career, like his life path moving forward. You think that anarchist, that kid, is like, you know what? J.R. Smith held me accountable, man. <laughs> There's no I way. Hope, I hope he knows. <laughs> hey, no this happens again. It could happen again. You know, I do. Nihilist AJ believes in nothing. I do wonder if he goes to, if he goes like last night when he went to bed last night, he was like, Fucking wrong window there. <laughs> J.R. Smith? Who Man, knew? I, he's probably like, I'm so unlucky. All my I, buddies yeah. broke all kinds of stuff. So he breaks that window off by himself. He runs back to wherever the group is. He's like, you never fucking believe what just happened. What happened? J.R. Smith just beat me up. They're like, J.R. Smith did not beat you, you up. Yes, he did. J.R. Smith beat my ass. Look, I know that's because you fell. No, no it's J.R. Smith. And his fans like, or his friends, his little dumbass anarchy friends are like, no, nah, let's go get some fucking liar. Do not do that. And then the internet, they're like, did you? See, it was <laughs> it was J.R. Smith that you got. I wonder if there was any follow-up conversation from the fuckboys that were out there doing all the damage to everything that didn't even realize that they're fighting allegedly for justice for African-American people and equality. And what are they doing? They're, they're costing the only black person on that street uh, a broken window in his car. They're burning down black-owned businesses. It's like, what are you, what are you even, you don't even know who you're, you're an idiot. And that's why when J.R. Smith beat the hell out of him, the whole world rejoiced. And I would hope that continues. What a cool guy for coming on the show, by the way. That was insane. Great guy. Yeah, I saw you tweeted something at him. Did he get right back to you or what? Well, I tweeted something at him. And then on Instagram, I did something in the IG story, you know, because you show up in the DMs there of the IG story. And since he followed me, since I, I was part of a team that beat him for one of these in a golf tournament down in the Bahamas, since he followed me, it showed up in his actual DM. So I think he actually saw it and was like, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. I was like, holy shit. Whenever he said, yes, sir, I was like, I, I followed up with a, uh, like, are you sure, basically? He was like, yeah. I was like, my man. So then this morning I woke up. I was like, I'm going to be talking to J.R. Smith today. Then came in. I was like, I mean, that is early L.A. time. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if we're really, I don't know if we're like that. We've hung out. We, we are friends. He watches most of my IG stories. You know, you can see who's watching. I watch all of it. I feel like we have a good internet relationship, he and I, on Instagram. But then this morning, he hit me with, uh, on my way, let's go. And I was like, Mike. And then as soon as he zoomed him, we saw him at his house. 
That was fucking unbelievable. I'm so thankful awesome. he came on the show. And I think a good conversation was had and a lot of people who might have misunderstood what the messaging was throughout this entire weekend because it might have got lost in the riots and the burning and the looting and the damage and that. Uh, it, he was a great conversation for it. I mean, he was a great conversation for everything. And hopefully it will only add to the momentum that we have as a society there's him marching by the way great camera lens good yeah. lens he said Ooh. he got some dope wow. ass footage by the strong way. mass too strong mass strong. he seemed didn't he seem like very mature in your interview with him like i was like okay he didn't just come on and say oh this little punk broke my window and you know i beat him up for it. like he he had like a good message i feel like yeah jared smith's awesome i know i've i've known i've known that for a while but i think it's good to get it's great that you got that straight from him he's a good guy doesn't like Hennessy either. Everybody calls him the Henny, do Henny God because there's a photo of him in that parade with two bottles of Hennessy. He's not even that big of a Hennessy fan. Mm -hmm. Likes Jack. Likes Jack. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if Hennessy never came through with like a, <laughs> you know, like a full an offer. And Jared was like, okay, well, I'm fucking done with this. I'm not doing that. Okay, let's talk about some other stuff. A friend of ours, and we're actually going to call him right now, so I think we have to lose you for a second, AJ. Adam Amin, you're going to be calling back with. This guy, Adam Amin, was play-by-play -play guy for ESPN for every single sport. You'd see him on Thursday nights, he'd be doing college football. On Fridays, somehow, he'd be doing like college basketball. He'd be doing baseball at certain times. He is called, he does the hot dog eating contest every 4th of July. Go ahead, Connor. Connor's microphone's off. NBA, too. Yeah, he calls the NBA. Doors. I mean, he literally calls everything. He just got a deal with Fox Sports, so ESPN let him out of uh, the building somehow when his contract was up. He goes over to Fox. I think he's going to get a chance to call some NFL games as well. Ooh. Talented, talented play-by-play -play guy. I got a chance to experience it. Thursday night football in a bunch of towns across the, the south, basically, whenever we were calling on ESPN. Good dude. But every time we talk to him about goals, aspirations, and everything like that, obviously you want to call NFL games. He wanted to move up in the broadcasting ranking, but he talked about how the Chicago Bulls play-by-play -play person was his dream job. He's like, ever since I was a kid, I want to be the voice of the Chicago Bulls, basically. I want to be, not, he didn't say the voice of the Chicago Bulls. That'd be quite an aggressive take, I guess. But he wanted to be the ones doing the play-by-play -play for the Chicago Bulls games. Just got hired to do that. So Let's literally, go. he just got that. So not only did he just get a, dig, a gig with Fox, <laughs> now... He's going to be the play-by-play -play guy for his hometown team, his dream gig with the Chicago Bulls. Ladies and gentlemen, Adam Amin. <laughs> hey, this is, this is for you, though, buddy. What do we got here? We got the, we got the cutoff. This hey, is all for you. A little sleeveless hoodie action? I, I don't know. All if, for you, pal. You do look small. You look like you've gotten into great shape during quarantine, locked into your apartment over there. A lot of news with you. You go to Fox. You're trying to deal with Fox. Congratulations. But today Thanks. it comes out that you get your dream position, basically, is now being the lead play-by-play -play for the voice of the Bulls, technically the new voice of the Bulls. This has to be massive for you, I'd assume. We've, we've had talks about this, right? Where we come from is really important to us, right? AJ, I know you, you, you feel the same way. Where you come from is important to you. Pat, I know how you feel about Pittsburgh, hanging out with you in your hometown and, and, and seeing how people respond to you. And I, I want, I want, I hope that ends up being the case, man. This is where I'm from. This is, you can see the city back here. Like, I, this is, this is my home. And, and I'm, I'm thankful to, to have an opportunity like this for a team that I grew up watching. I'm, I'm five years old, sitting on the couch in my parents' basement watching Bulls games. It's nuts. Adam, do you? Uh, how nice is it going to be? I guess to where if you're the the Bulls full time play by play guy, you can be a bit biased towards the Bulls. Can't oh yeah, you? a little bit, man. Like you, you feel connection, you feel investment, and, and I don't think I've ever been a homer like Pat. You know, Pat's worked with me in the booth. He knows how I am, but uh, I think 
having some investment and connectivity to not only the team that you're watching, but the fans who are watching games. Because you, I, I, I am that. I was that. I still am that. So I, I think letting that out a little bit and letting people in and, and kind of connecting on that level, I, I, I think that's what makes a lot of the great hometown announcers really, really good. Myron Cope of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, the man who created the terrible towel. That I, terrible towel. That terrible towel, double yoy donner. The, there's the voice of the town. is All the highlights that'll go on in infamy forever, it's normally the local play-by-play person because it's the most passionate, the most spirited, and things of that nature. And then I think back to semi-pro with the Flint Tropics. There's two, there's two <laughs> commentators that travel around. Basketball is a little bit different because it is an intimate thing. Like You're traveling now with this team. You're going to be around a lot with this team. You become a part of the team almost. And that has to feel pretty cool as a guy who grew up in Chicago. Like you said, you're a member of the Chicago Bulls, ipso facto. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's absolutely correct. And and think about if you're if you're a fan of one team and how passionate you get on Sundays if you're watching the Steelers or you're watching the Colts, you're watching the Packers, whatever it may be. Think about how passionate and excited you get when something good happens. Like I, again, it's not the same level if I'm on the air for that, but if I'm watching and something great happens, I want these guys to do good. You know, I want them to, to be successful because you are traveling with them. You know, when you get to know people, you're going to be more invested in them. So when you travel with a lot of these guys, you get to know them a little bit, get to learn their stories, you get to learn their background, what type of people they are. You want them to do good things. You're a good storyteller, too. So the more you learn about people, I think it's only going to make the coverage of the team better, which is good for the fans, which is good for the Bulls, especially after this whole last dance thing has come up. Man, uh, what, a, what, a, what a time, right, to jump in after the momentum of all this. Everybody's kind of intrigued by by the Bulls again and the franchise just nationally. Obviously, here in Chicago, everybody's passionate about it. But now everybody's been watching. You know, they, they want to see this franchise be good again, right? They, you need the cornerstone franchise of, of, of these leagues to be great teams. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, front office change, uh, new GM, new assistant GM, a lot of young talent. Uh, I'm hoping that all that kind of combines to get to a good place. Adam, I know everyone's asking about, uh, oh, should these broadcast, if there's no fans in the stands, should they, should they add a little a little subtle bed of, of some crowd noise? Like, I guess, where do you stand on this? And have you given any thought? Yeah, I've thought about it a little bit. I like crowd noise. Like, I live for that. You know, like, that's that's what gives me energy. You know, Pat, Pat knows standing next to me in the booth. Like, I live when the crowd's big. We're, we're jacked up, man. We're loving it. So you want you want some semblance of that in your, in your headset. But I can understand, too, if you're a fan, it might be a little bit jarring. You know, watching – watching the Bundesliga, you know, the, the big-time German soccer, you're thinking, all right, well, this sounds a little natural. You might have to get used to it a little bit yeah, yeah. before you feel truly <laughs> comfortable with it. Yeah, you do, too. And, hey, when the crowd gets going, the fist bumps start coming out for me. He's like, <laughs> Back, hey, I'm like, I'm like jacking him in the shoulder. I was like, yeah, yeah this is awesome. Like, this, this, is a is cool, this is great. I think that's the thing about a good play-by-play person, though, is if they enjoy what they're doing, I think – too much in your world, in the play-by-play world, it's a lot of, I don't want to say older voices, but it is. It's a lot of older voices who've been there, done that. And I don't want to say they get jaded with the sport, but they kind of lose, the sport loses its luster to some people. And it's very apparent while they're calling the game. There isn't much emotion. They're not enjoying what they're doing. This is why when Tony Romo comes in and shows just a little bit of emotion and happiness, people are like, this is what we love. That's why I think with you, you have that incredible joy with sports. And it's not just basketball it's not football you could you would call bowling i think and <laughs> make it electric i think that's the good thing about you is you you i think you genuinely enjoy what the hell you're doing and love the sports as a whole is that accurate yeah 
I think I hope so. I hope that's what it comes off. Like part of the reason that I enjoyed our our time together so much is because you, me, Matt, and Molly had a good time. Good time. Every time we we went on the air, every time we were off the air, we had a blast. AJ, you've been with Pat in the booth, my buddy Sean Kelly. You guys did a broadcast together. You know that if if you guys are having a good time and it it's it's real, it's genuine, it's authentic, then the people sitting at home are going to get caught up in that. It is infectious. Don't ever get that twisted. For any of you who are on TV who do this for a living. If your passion is genuine, people will will see it. They'll latch on to it. They're going to want to connect with that. And I think that's what made made our season so much fun this past year, man. Seriously. Adam, what went through your mind when you first got the news <laughs> that Pat was going to be joining you in the booth? <laughs> Matt, uh, Hassel, so Hasselbeck called me. This is like two days before we're gonna, actually going to meet, right? So Hasselbeck's telling me a week before. He's like, hey, I think McAfee might actually join the crew. Like, like we got a chance. I was like... Oh, that's that's cool. I don't really know much about him, but I, he's pretty entertaining. He's 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 been pretty funny. I, I enjoy that. He goes, "You're gonna get along with him more than you get along with me." And me and Matt get along really well, but Pat and I are like cut from a very similar cloth. Uh, as as obviously the resemblance is uncanny here. Yeah, bingo. But like like a couple of days before uh, we were gonna meet for the first time, our bosses like had a conference call with us. They're like, "Yeah, McAfee's coming on. He's gonna see you for the first time in Charlotte in two days." All right, good luck. And, like, that's all it was. So I show up. I don't know what to think. I don't know what he's going to feel about me. And then I think at our, our seminar or whatever, they ended up – we ended up playing, like, Family Feud on the stage with everybody. And I jumped on Pat's back, and we walked off the stage after we dominated, <laughs> yeah. for real. And I was like, the, the fact that you were so responsive, and, like, it just – it felt easy. It felt legitimately easy. And I get along with people – that are like that. They're easy to get along with. They're genuine. They want to hang out. They want to connect. That's that's what it was like. The thing about it was I didn't know I was doing that either until you guys got <laughs> So, I mean, two days before the college – and I don't know much about college football at this point because I hadn't paid attention for, I don't know, the last 10 years of my life or whatever. So, two days before this college – it might have been like one day before the college seminar. Maybe. Yeah, yeah I get a heads I think, up. I think so. Yeah, they're like, hey, you uh, got to go down to Charlotte now because all the college football people are going down to Charlotte. Like, I'm a college football person. Like, oh, yeah, you are doing <laughs> – Thursday oh, night football. Wait, wait, you're telling me you're telling me they told you like a day or two in advance that you were doing something completely new? No, no kidding. That's <laughs> shocking. <laughs> yeah, that is exactly what happened. And then I get down there. They asked me to tell everybody to sit down, and I don't even know what the fuck the conference is that we're at. Oh my god, that was insane. I felt so bad. So we've got a room full of like 400, 500 people or so. Maybe I'm overshooting it, but it felt like four or five hundred people in this big conference room at this hotel. And so I'm standing like two feet away from Pat. We had just met for like the first time. And somebody somebody from ESPN comes up and goes, uh, hey, Pat, can you go up to the uh, to the front and just get everybody settled down? You know, just do do your thing. And I was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? All right. And we're like, okay, let's see what this – Molly, Matt, and I are just like leaning in. We're like, oh, yeah, let's see how this goes. It's going to be great. Oh, well, I think I asked Adam. I was like, Adam, what is the name of the thing we were currently at? It was the college football – seminar it was like had an entire name i was like i don't even know what i am at currently i know we're at charlotte so i just went up there swore early got levy to start laughing as soon as i got get, a, get their attention get so, their attention as soon as i got levy laughing then i looked and herbie was losing his mind a little bit i'm like okay if those two are laughing i don't really give a damn about anybody else and then everybody <laughs> else kind of bought in and then i was mid-story and everybody sat down i was like all right that's all I was supposed to fucking do. Let's get this thing started. And I introduced Lee. I think I introduced Lee. I introduced Lee Fitting immediately after that. Yeah, I mean, I, our boss, our boss who like handles every aspect of football at ESPN. And he, I was, Pat's swearing up the storm. I'm like, all right, fucking A. This was the best thing ever. 
Leaf hitting, everybody. Great. <laughs> 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 this is this is what I'm getting. Can't, oh, I can only I can't even remember what was going through my head and like. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting season. It's yeah. going to be an interesting season. Well, then I sit down, right? There, the groups were sitting in certain areas. So, like, our group was over here, and then there was another group. Like, groups were everywhere. I go and sit down, and Lee starts his entire speech about, like, college football. And it was only at that moment I realized, I'm like, oh, I'm at, like, the training camp. This is, like, <laughs> this is like training camp for all the college football crews. And then people start talking. They're like, this is the last time a lot of us will see each other because we're on different crews. So, for the next six months, we're going to go opposite directions. I'm like, oh shit, like people are going off the ward. Like, okay. So this is, so I, I didn't fully understand what we Be were. ready to write, write to your loved ones, write to your wives <laughs> and, and children. It's like, oh my God. It was a good time though. Adam was incredible at what he does, AJ. Hey, Pat, I got to jump in. Okay, so you're at this giant seminar. All the biggest people are working college football. Is there no MC at the event? Like who is running this? Why, is, why are they grabbing Pat? He doesn't even know where he's at to have him push the crowd. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think we just don't, like, our bosses will come up and, like, a couple of broadcasters will come up and, like, moderate panels, but it's, like, kind of a free-for-all. They're just going through an agenda, whatever executive or, or person in charge hey, needs to talk about this or that. Whenever that, I don't know if that seminar will be able to happen this year, but I think Pat's got a job for life as the MC of this event going from here on out. I listen, I, I think it would, do, you, if you would invite other people in, make it, like, a public forum, the, the hits for that would be insane. Insane. I couldn't even fathom it. That was why I didn't even know the name of the thing I was at. I was like ESPN college football <laughs> seminar. Just stick with that. It'll be fine. I promise. Uh, let's talk about you moving to Fox. This is a big deal. This doesn't happen all the time. I feel like play-by-play -play people kind of sit in there. You move over to Fox, and we're in a world where you're the youngest up-and-coming play-by-play guy. I've got a chance to work with you. I love everything that you do. What was the move to Fox? Why did it happen? What are your thoughts and expectations, obviously? You loved your time at ESPN. That's no doubt. understood. But what are your expectations for what you're going to do at Fox? Yeah, I think when they came in and, and you know, and, and I knew the guys at Fox for a while. You guys have worked with them. Like, they're, they're good good people, just like at ESPN. Like, I, I don't go somewhere and I don't work with people voluntarily unless I like them and I feel comfortable with them and I feel like they have my best interest at heart. That's how I felt at ESPN for a long time. And I've gotten to know a lot of the people at Fox over the last five to seven years. You know, like, you talk, you run into them at events. And when I, you know, when I'd go and meet with them, when my contract would be up, you know, like free agents do, you meet with teams or whatever it is. You know, we're free agents in a sense as well. So we say, hey, all right, this is what we might have for you. This is what we might have for you. And it never felt like the right time to go. You know, I, I just felt like what I was doing at ESPN was valuable. Uh, I, I obviously felt appreciated there. We got to do great stuff. Like, these events are just awesome. Like, it, it's been a blast doing what I was doing. And I was finally getting to a point, not only in my career, but in my life, where I kind of wanted to narrow down the focus a little bit. I was doing a lot of sports, you know, like six, seven sports at ESPN, doing TV, doing radio working uh, you know most of the year which I you know which is all good but I wanted to narrow it down a little bit and when they said Done. hey we have an NFL role for you we, we think you you know you could be a part of our NFL coverage we love what you do on baseball uh, we'll, we'll give you the flexibility if the Chicago Bulls are a real option for you we love we'd we, we give you flexibility for that and the fact that everybody at the Bulls everybody at Fox everybody was just so accommodating they were all in like let's make this work we, we, we you know we want you to be a part of this. I, I just felt really appreciated, and, and I felt appreciative of that as well. And it has not—it really has little to do with ESPN. I had nine amazing years at ESPN, like you said, Pat. I, I loved my time there, but it was—I think it was a good time to move. I think it was a good time to try to take the next step, new chapter, 
and the fact that I get to do this now, be be home in my hometown a little bit more often, you know, whenever whenever we get back to normalcy, uh, I, I think it was just too good of an offer to pass up. I would have been stupid to turn it down. Adam, last thing for me, I, we know you have your your dream job working for the Bulls. Where else, I guess when it's not basketball season, where else will we see you? You said you mentioned the NFL. Like, Do you know any more details? Not yet, and, and I'd say that's, that's what's so weird because by now, you know, you feel like you'd have a, a real good glimpse. You got the schedule. You, you kind of know who you might be working with when you get to June, maybe even July, and, and, and maybe we'll know that sooner rather than later. But like you said, there's so much uncertainty with – not only what's happened in our country, by the way, Pat, I appreciate what you said. You know, very good words that, that you put out there. Uh, not only what's happening in the country, but, the, you know, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. These leagues are trying to figure out what's best for their personnel. Uh, can we make this work? Can we make this work, like, technologically, you know, logistically? Can all this happen? So usually we probably have a much better idea of it. But uh, I think, you know, if, if, I, if I had to put an answer to it, I think we're going to be playing in September. I think the NFL is going. Uh, I expect to be working. You know, hopefully that'll be the case. And and if this year is a little bit different, so be it. I think all of us understand what the circumstances are, but we'll figure it out from there. Yeah, but you'll be self-aware enough to understand that the viewer is also experiencing something very different. And I think absolutely. That, you know, I think that's a big deal. Is like, it, as the commentator, you're setting the tone for everybody, right? The environment. Yeah. The, the watch party. You know. Yeah, and 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 you're we're I I think our job is almost that much more important. You know, like what what you guys do now is important. You're you're a uh, a break. You're a respite. People look to you for a little bit of entertainment, a little bit of news, all that stuff. People are gonna want to watch football when it's back on, whenever it comes on. If it comes on, they're gonna want to watch it. You have to be true to it. You have to be true to the environment that's in front of you. The crowd noise once the game starts, whether it's you know synthetic or whatever, that's all well and good. But you do have to give people a sense of place. Now that's something that. Uh, we all take a lot of pride in when we do these broadcasts. We prepare. We want to give people a sense of the place that, that we're at so that you can bring them in uh, hey, you know, when they're watching on their couches. Embrace the place. The place. That was one of the that was rule number one on the uh, at the ESPN college football <laughs> seminar. I was like, Oh, that's why they brought me in. Just embrace. <laughs> embrace. You gotta embrace this place. Just mm -hmm. just embrace all of us. Put your arm put those big arms around all your people. All right. Well, Adam, I can't thank you enough. Good luck. You're the best. I'm happy for you. I can't wait for more humans to get a chance to watch you work. You're a talented young gentleman who's gonna be obviously at the top sooner than later, hopefully. And the Chicago Bulls got a good one. Chicago Bulls building back that dynasty up there in Chicago. Appreciate all you guys, man. All of you, seriously. Everybody on your show, you guys are the best. Love all you guys. Do you want to call Zito fat one more time? Oh, come on. Oh, no, no, no. Zito, Zito works too hard for that. That's my guy. He, you. And, and Zito already sent a very, very, very sweet tweet. I appreciate that. That's my guy, man. Well, you did call him fat on national TV. I did, I, I, I did it for the sake of the joke. I hope. I, hope <laughs> I, hope, I think. I think Zeno knows that. My I mother calls me fat now because of you. Oh, his mom. Heat. His mom's a diehard Bulls fan, and she's like, "Hey, if the voice of the Bulls, Bulls is calling you, uh, Gordo, yeah. I gotta call <laughs> you." <laughs> you made Christmas a lot more interesting. Thank you a lot. Oh, you're the best, ladies. Uh, boy Flacco, boy Flacco, my man Zito. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Adam and me. Thank you. He's good. He was really good. He was really, really, really good. good I'm interested guy. to see him next to Stacy King, who is seven foot, and Adam is not seven oh, he, foot. But when he did college basketball a lot, he they had a they, oh yeah they had a box. sometimes they, they didn't one. though, and that was an a hole move. That's very rude, and they very didn't rude. even offset. Remember, his head was barely it at the graphic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was the Lord that was blocking his nose. You, you, the chin was blocking too. I yeah. mean, it was tough. He's a little bit shorter, obviously, but boy, that guy is good at what he does. He knows everything. Yeah. He literally oh, yeah. knows everything. He's just a guy 
Hey, is that your first time talking to Adam Amin right there? Yeah, it is. He's working with him was insane. He is. He would. He wrote. What's that called in the when you're in court and they a stenographer? Mm -hmm. No, a stenographer. Yep. yep. He was like a stenographer in those coaches' meetings. You know what I'm talking about? Because I yeah. would. I it basically became me, Matt. Molly, a conversation with the coach, right? And it wasn't like a standard, I'd assume, color commentator, analyst questions that were happening with the coach. It was like a, it was like a podcast conversation, basically, with the coach. And Adam, he would ask his questions like, hey, who's in, who's out, who's replacing for this, like all the ones that he needs or whatever. And then he was like, basically, Adam was very cool. And I think the reason why it worked with us so much is because Adam was so okay with like, I don't, I don't want to say... I talk a lot, but I do talk a lot. And from what I've been told is play-by-play -play people normally, like those meetings before thing, like don't talk. Like this is his show basically and you're like a part of it. And Adam told me early, he was like, hey, I want to let you know, you do whatever you want to do, say whatever you want. We're in this thing together. We just want the best product. And I was like, Adam, that's very cool of you. But I never worked with anybody else, so it didn't really make sense to me. And then I started hearing stories from other people about how they would act. They're like, oh yeah, there's no way blah, blah, blah would let you do that. But we would have these coaches meetings. They'd be like an hour and a half long, maybe two hours long, 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 long conversations because these coaches would be opening up for us basically and I hadn't watched a single ounce of film. So every piece of information I'm getting from the coach right now is basically helping me out a lot. Hasselbeck was asking questions. Molly would ask questions. He wrote down everything, okay? He typed down everything. His, watching his fingers go was just like next level. He's like, and then the next, the next meeting we had like that night, he had it all like all of it was either in notes right in front of him that were easy to read underneath each player. He had it all in there. He knew it was just incredible to watch his brain work. And then he'd somehow dump it. And he's like, all right, I got to go call a uh, hot dog eating contest tomorrow. Let me <laughs> let me learn about all these people. It was just, it was unbelievable, the turnover of his brain. He was really cool. And I'm happy the Bulls got him. Well, I think the toughest thing, like you said, after the game, he's blushes that. And those play-by-play -play guys, a lot of like, color commentators, if you're a football color commentator, you're going to do whatever 12, 16 games a year, and it's on to the next game, but you have six days or whatever, seven days coming up before the next game. For those play-by-play -play guys and gals, like they, they move on to other sports throughout the week. Like, oh, where are you coming from? Well, I'm, well I came from Ohio. They're like, well, I was in Indiana calling a college women's basketball game, and then I did a, a men's game on Wednesday and Thursday. I squeezed in like a hot dog eating contest, and now here I am for the game Saturday. I'm like, how how do you keep all those separate? And Adam, just the names alone, like just being able to uh, identify and, and announce what's happening on the field, but then just to be able to pronounce them right, to know all of these names. Obviously, you have charts and boards that you, they can see all of this, but still, with all the different sports, it's, it's unbelievable. People hey, the, have no idea. The Zito board potentially was going to change the entire commentator. Everybody knows that commentators have those big boards that uh, have everybody's name and everything on them and little stories and notes underneath that. We took a shot at a Zito production this year on those things. It's so production. It was really good, though, It was what it was. It was a, a, man, a manila folder. Mm -hmm. It was a manila folder that we did where basically it would be the same thing as the big ass sheet the poster board you yeah, get. <laughs> but it was a post yeah it was hard to travel with you couldn't really move so zito started putting them on manila folders front and back so we folded that over and just put it in a bag it was it was game changing to be yeah. honest with you but i didn't look at them ever so i told him to stop doing them because i'm not gonna fucking learn these names anyways let's go <laughs> well there's a surface like there's a guy that does that can build boards for you that a lot of people use oh, yeah. i've seen play-by-play -play oh, people do that oh, I, know I know him oh we know him <laughs> We you know, know him. him. Why? You tried 11 to by 18. It has to be that size. Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> we, that guy was very, very helpful. 
Let's not no, very, yeah. let's not get it twisted. That guy was very helpful, but I use that guy, so I know he's a good guy. Very helpful. It was not conducive to our schedule, though, where we're traveling and moving, and you can't have a piece of paper that's this big. And then if you fold it, it kind of gets. Yeah, I mean, so so we tried to reinvent the thing, and I think we did. We did for sure. If I had any chance of looking at that thing during the game, I think we would have kept doing. I didn't look down one time. I mean, I didn't even. Oh, number twelve there had a hell of a run, and Adam Amin would be like, "That is Jackson with the run." Like that's why I think Adam was. Maybe that's why he had to study so. Even much. for these people too, where they're so crammed together. I was thinking for me, huh? Probably my fault why I have to study. Now that I think about it. That's on me, Adam. Thanks for getting. Hey, good. Hey, you got your gig. You got yeah, your gig. Yeah, good for you. You're welcome. Uh, MLB, it seems like they're getting further and further away, AJ. The MLBPA proposed something back to the MLB. We had Jet passing on this morning, and uh, he said he said he doesn't know if he said this deal was better than expected that the MLBA offered the MLB ownership, but it's nowhere near basically a deal that he thinks the MLB ownership is going to uh, say yes to. They only have a week left. It sure feels like this MLB thing ain't happening. And we talked about how the diehard fans of the MLB, the Ty Schmitz of the world, okay, the people that are diehard fans of baseball, which I guess there are those people. I've met them now with Ty. There's other pack. I, I believe those are those people. If they watch all these other leagues figure out a way to get sports back, they watch all these other leagues figure it out. And then this sport that they've been a diehard fan of, okay, I, I get accosted because I'm a diehard fan of baseball. People tell me it isn't interesting. They tell me that seven innings are wasted. People tell me that there's too many. But I'm a diehard MLB fan. I am a baseball fan. This fan now has to sit here through years and years of being just mocked and ridiculed for liking a sport that is just archaic at this point and a bit slow and a bit boring and things of that nature. But they've their loyalty has been staked. Now they have to watch all these other leagues figure it out and them not be able to figure it out. I think that'll be the deepest burn is for their diehard fans that are like, God damn it, everybody else can figure it out. I've stuck with this stupid, boring-ass sport for a long time, and now everybody else can play, but my sport can't. Just another problem for baseball. So uh, for a diehard baseball fan like yourself, if the, now, this like season... Me, like me. That character <laughs> I was just talking about. Yes. Oh, I thought... I've, I assumed that character was you, but let's say you sure. put yourself in that shoe, in those shoes as the diehard baseball fan. If this season is canceled, it does not happen, do you continue to watch baseball moving forward? Well, that's... You got to punish them. You got to punish them with your fanhood. You got to punish them with your fanhood. How do fanhood. I do that? Just don't tune in? You stop... Giving them a fucking rating. <laughs> and you don't buy baseball caps anymore. You buy Kangol hats because mm -hmm. you don't want to see a single dollar go back to the MLB. And that's not me. I'm just talking about that fan that could be very jaded potentially because of how this whole thing's playing out. Ty could probably Ty. speak. Yeah, Ty yeah I want to ask Ty's opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't care. I will definitely still watch baseball next year if they take a year off. Like, it'll suck not having it, but there are definitely plenty of people who want to who will virtue signal and just be like, oh, fuck it, can't ever watch it again, these fucking guys. I am not one of those people, but I'm sure there are a lot of people like that out there. I think it's better for baseball if they take a year off. Get away from the Houston Astros stuff. Let's let people not, miss it. Let people let miss, miss it a little bit. You know, you, know, you know what I miss? I miss a nice home run. Snag at the wall. <laughs> oh, mm. Throw it in. On Center, You know, maybe people will miss. You know what I miss? I miss Bryce Harper with the great hair flip, mm -hmm. dong shot, <laughs> bat flip, uh, yeah. almost fight with pitcher. Let people miss that, mm -hmm. maybe. I don't think it's going to be that a, cat a, 
a catastrophe to the MLB if they don't play this season. But a lot of people seem to think that the diehard fans are not going to be happy about it. It's going to go one way or the other, don't you think, to where people are going to really miss it. You're going to see things trending on Twitter when the season's canceled. Like, oh, this would have been when the playoffs started and they're going to show like clips and highlights or people are going to be like, oh, wait, did, base, did the season get canceled? Like, oh, it's going to go one way. <laughs> oh, COVID-19 happened. Yeah, yeah, we're not playing that sport this year. Yeah, we all decided. Oh. Yeah, we're playing it next year. <laughs> next year? We're not playing baseball? Yeah, yeah, because, well, there's like a few billion dollars that they couldn't no. figure out. Oh. COVID-19 came. Yeah, f- we're just doing it next year. Okay. Yeah, okay. Sounds good. But then you're right. The On this day, just three years ago, blah, 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 hit Grand Slam to win series against blah, blah, blah. Those clips are going to start circling the internet, and then the internet's going to get behind it. Real shame can't do it this year because <laughs> fucking guys can't figure out billions of dollars. That, that narrative could potentially potentially get spun in quite a tight web if i had to guess but they got one week to figure it out and if hey what happens to guys like uh like our guy jeff passan if there is no baseball season what does he do well we're not gonna fucking talk to him are we <laughs> no no can't talk to that guy Why would we? anymore we're not talking to jet no way Pat, you ever see one of my favorite things I just noticed happened again when you cut and the camera angle changes and they start to slow zoom usually on tie mm-hmm. watching digs stare at the camera with his weird little goofy smile <laughs> yeah I don't know why just it makes me it, it makes me smile well it's like, like the it's office weird he does it every time who's that guy on the office Jim, Jim Halpert. Halpert yeah that guy the guy that's now uh, Clancy I don't know what to yeah. do with my face AJ Krasinski. Tom Cran- Tom Clancy John Krasinski yeah, Tom Tom Kransky. <laughs> Tom Kransky. Here, here. Here, here, Tom. Here, here, Tom Kransky. <laughs> Tom Kransky. Everyone loves Tom Kransky. Hey, speaking of that. Baseball Tom Kransky. How much do you think George Kittle is going to get per year? Twenty. Really? It's going to start what? with a two? I think 20. He's going to average really? 20, 20 a year? I George know, Kittle, I think I so. I looked it up. Julio Jones is the highest paid receiver. He, he averages 22 a year right now. He got like 64 guaranteed. The highest paid tight end gets 10.5 right yeah. now. 10, I, think, I think it'll be in between 15 to 20, north of the – I think it's going to be closer to 20. George Kittle is vital to that Niners offense, and it's not just uh, catching and, and emotional or everything like that. It is the way he's a road grader. I mean, they rushed – I don't have to say it because Ty's in here and he doesn't deserve it, especially with all this potential no baseball talk and the Yankees spending over $450 million this offseason and everything like that. But But 186 (laughs) yards before contact in the AFC Championship game, and George Kittle was doing a lot of people moving during that thing. And I think we're hitting an era now where people are going to start making more and more money. Now, I would wonder if the quarantine, COVID-19 here, affects everything because ticket sales and salary cap going down. But I think he'll be by – I think you'll look for him in the, the wide receiver area of money, I think, because I think the Niners might potentially be the first team that does a tight end deal accurately where they judge him, okay, he's kind of an offensive lineman. He's kind of a wide receiver as well. We see him doing this and this. And they, John Lynch and Shanahan, potentially give him like a, hey, we understand you're worth more than just what a tight end should be paid because you do that just like this was the issue with Le'Veon Bell Le'Veon Bell was the number one wide receiver and a running back and he wanted okay I want to be since I'm both I want that Steelers were like no this is running back running back running back money there then a holdout happens Jets pay him not as much as he wanted but more than the Steelers are offering I think the Niners could potentially be the team that are like hey Kittle we understand your worth and we'll pay you for all this stuff because there's not a lot of George Kittles out there and you need not lose George Kittle if you're that Niners team no, John Lynch absolutely knows how valuable 
George Kittle is. He's made comments about like what they're going to get it done. They're going to find a way. But how? I guess how far does George Kittle want to want to take it? I know his agent says like we're going to do a George Kittle deal, not a tight end deal. And I agree. Like he should get paid twenty a year, most likely. I don't know if he's going to be able to get up to that number, but I guess we can. It's safe to say he will get north of fifteen mil a year, which is. So. A huge jump from the other highest paid tight end per year average. You know what's going to be interesting now is watching other teams that have to pay their tight ends. Yes. Kelsey. With, with George Kittle. Well, Kelsey, though, and Kittle, I think they are. And Austin Hooper just got $40 million over here at the Browns, and he's a blue. He got 20, 23 guaranteed. I think it's 10, like 10 and a half a year. Yeah. So yeah, you can say, you easily say Kittle's going to get 50 guaranteed, don't you think? Oh, I, I think Kittle's deal is going to be large. Because Kittle's like yeah. – Kittle, Gronk, Kelsey, here's tight ends that cannot be duplicated. I mean, granted, they they are duplicated because there's more than one of them. But I feel like that is somebody you need on your team, especially with the way the rules are now, with how tight ends can be kind of down the middle of the field without getting kill shots on them. I mean, it's... We're in a tight end era, and if you're in a if you're on a team that understands that, especially if you got a great run game like Shanahan has, the tight end's always going to be open off the run game. I mean, that is just something you need. Hopefully, he'll be able to get a massive deal done. Is that come out that they are uh, negotiating that deal right now? Yeah, the contract negotiations. Didn't are they going say terrible. they're terrible? They're kind of at a stalemate right yeah. now. Well, I'll tell you why. Everything I just said is what Kittle's agent said, <laughs> and then. AJ's first reaction to what I said. You think it's going to have a two in front of it? That is what the Niners are doing. So we just showed you exactly why that deal has come to a stalemate at this point. Well, then don't you think if you're the Niners and you're John Lynch and you're saying, hey, I get it. I understand. You're not just a tight end. You're, you are so much more to this football team. We can You do so much for this team and for the city that we can't even like put a stat to. We I get it. But I can't all of a sudden double the average per year salary of the, the next highest paid tight end for you. Wouldn't that be awesome if he did, though? Yeah. He should. He probably will get close. Yeah, Are Travis Kelsey's days on the Chiefs numbered then? Because he's got, what, two years left on his? And yeah. then they got to pay Mahomes, what, 50 mil a year starting next yeah, year? Yeah, not going to be able yeah. to pay Travis Kelsey probably. No chance. Unless Travis Kelsey says, hey, we got Jason Kelsey on uh, Wednesday. Wednesday. We got Jason Kelsey on. We're not going to ask him about Travis Kelsey. Maybe at the end we will. Maybe we'll slip in that conversation. But you start looking ahead on who needs money and who has it and things of that nature. That's where you, if you're a GM, Brandon Bean told us this, where you see how much people are making and who has to get paid. You start basically in your head figuring out who's going to be available, whether free agency or salary casualty or anything of that nature. That has to be something a lot of people are looking at. And Travis Kelsey would be a weapon, weapon, weapon. Well, and you have to think, too, if you have a guy like – George Kittle, like a contract coming up, or Pat Mahomes, you got to look at your roster and say, all right, who can we trade to try to get some of this, how to, to build some cap space so we can sign these giant deals? Bingo, AJ. Bingo. You know, I was talking to J.R. Smith earlier today. Oh, yeah, I heard. J.R. Smith and I off air had a conversation, and you guys would never believe what it was about. What? Oh, yeah, what was that? It was what about, could it be? It was about the Raycon E25. Oh, oh best earbuds in the game. Best earbuds. Sense, actually. J.R. Smith says, hey, you know those Raycon E25 earbuds you've been promoting? He said, I love those. I said, hey, hey, so do I, JR. They they have a nice noise isolating fit right there in my ear, you yep. know? And they come with the boom booms. And guess what? They're half the price of all the other things on the market. Ooh. So not only are we shopping smart, we're also getting high quality. JR Smith says he likes them. AJ Hawk likes them. I like I like them. And they're supporting this show. Raycon's hitting the goddamn home run at this point, aren't they? Yeah, oh, yeah. They're yeah. 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 They're draining half court shots, swish after swish after swish. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. 
Let me hear you say hey oh, hey oh. Boom, boom, boom. Let me hear you say hey oh, hey Probably get a strike for that because of how good we yeah, sounded, yeah. but and well, we could only sound better if you're listening to us on the Raycon <laughs> E25 earbuds right now. You go to buyraycon.com forward slash sports talk. That's B U Y R A Y C O N dot com forward slash sports talk for fifteen percent off your order. Brought to you by Raycon. Good people. Let me let me tell you, these earbuds are incredible they have fun colors they have a good design six hours of playtime, seamless bluetooth the best model the e25 earbuds Ooh. i work out with every single day it, i've been on the stairmaster aj hey have you seen me on the stairmaster on instagram no of course you haven't because you don't go online because you got seven kids but I, i've been on this stairmaster aj and raycon has been joining me every step of the way How's that Stairmaster going? So you've moved away from your pool workouts or did you just add this to your day? Still doing the pool workouts. Now, granted, had a little What's bit going of- on? Are you making a comeback? No, maybe. I don't know. I'm just Ooh. trying to become the best me. You know, I'm trying to take care of me. I would like to live longer than I thought I was going to. I already made it past the point of when I thought I was potentially going to die because of all the damage I did. Is the liver down here? I think so. The liver. I did a lot of damage to the inside here, whether it's McDonald's or tequilas or beers mm. or anything else. I've done a lot of damage to the inside here. I always thought I was going to die young. Assumed it was the case, actually. I was always like, hey, listen, probably going to end up dead at some point. Why? though why did you assume that well i was just beating it i mean you're aj, on, AJ. there's AJ. a lot of kids pat that AJ. abuse their body especially young that don't have that nagging feeling like oh i'm gonna be die young but might as well no. might as well ride it hard while i'm here i'm just not sure i'm just not sure there's many you're talking just buying hundreds of shots at night like consistently night after night after night just new city what do we do bingo bango same story how we doing all right let's go somewhere else what were you searching for when you're buying shots for all these people what were you were you trying to like build love built by friends what were you trying to do i just want people to have the greatest night of their lives every night that's what i was looking for that's a great message to send i think well i agree it cost me some money (laughs) yeah if you want to be the person funding it then yeah i'm very supportive of this but it was it was a good payoff back you know you know the feeling of when you're in a bar and everybody is on the same page it's awesome it is very rare it's tough to get it is tough to get by the way there was a run there for a few years where I saw that every single night. It was beautiful. You're talking about DJs happy now, bartenders are happy, bar backs are happy. There's free shots and drinks going out because I've already tipped out enough that they're all happy. It's just like it just is a it was and that was a lot, you know? It was a lot. And it just those things can add up on you. And I ate terribly. I ate very poorly. I it just I always thought but anyways, now I'm at the point where I would like to no longer be a fat ass. I'd like to be, I think I want to kind of take care of myself, move forward. Yesterday, could have ate an entire pizza. Oh. But? Ch- chose not to. Just ate the wings instead. Just give me the wings because we'll, we'll at least do a little keto, okay? Proud I won't, of you. There it is. Thank you. It was a very difficult Stop. decision. Great work. Didn't do it. I'm, I feel like I'm really getting into it. But this well, you guys are on your wedding. You and Diggs are on your wedding diets. That's, what, that's all it is. Especially starting today. Well, Diggs is definitely because today is a big day for Diggs' diet. Diggs, please explain your diet. Well, AJ, a, a few times a year, two to three times a year, a Monday falls on the first of the month like today. A Monday is June 1st. And if that happens, you must then start the diet on that day because it just works out perfectly for your schedule. Wake up. Wake up. Wake I thought you already started it. Well, yeah, it's that the was, the, that was a mini month. one. That was a mini one. Now we go. Yeah, he's, he's – Now we go. But he's, he's going to be in big trouble. Oh, yeah, big trouble. He's going to be in Why? big trouble. His wedding isn't for like another three months. He is in the best shape of his life right now. 
He just now he's getting. Are you stand up? Show us, Dick. Let me see. I'm not gonna do that, AJ. Come on, Tony. Stand up. Stand up. Just look at that skinny ass. Lift your skinny, my skinny. No, lift your shirt up. So your fiance is obviously. Are you getting positive reinforcement from your fiance? She is in much better shape than I am, so it's kind of the motivation. Like I don't want my kids to be like, well, how the fuck did this happen? You think what? Your kids aren't going to call you a fat. Uh, they stitch. are. I know who they are already. <laughs> but he's in. Me too. My kid's going to suck too. But he's he has to maintain this now for the Ugh. next three months. He's getting su- He's getting fit this weekend for his shit. It's like yo, that is an aggressive decision. Died starts today. So, huh? I hope so. This stairmaster though, AJ, kick in the ass. It is a kick. It's just you versus the machine, you know? Stairmaster is in any college weight room or high school weight room or NFL weight room. The Stairmaster is there for old coaches to to slowly (laughs) climb and to punish guys that do anything wrong. Punishment. And if you have an upper body injury and you're not able to practice, it's like, okay, well, during practice, since you can't practice because you have an upper body, you'll just go sit over there on the Stairmaster for the entire practice. (laughs) We'll just have you on there for the entire practice. And I think there's something you can learn on that Stairmaster. It's just you versus that fucking machine because it's going to keep coming. It's going to keep coming. And it doesn't matter. And I learned this in college. It doesn't matter if you have your hands on the side and you're still making it because at some point, you know what's going to happen? Your arms are going to give out. Yep. It, the Stairmaster becomes a full body workout because you're either you're either on top of that thing, holding it up with like your, your, your lats or whatever at this point. Then it becomes a forearm thing. And then eventually at the end of the day, you're going to have at least 10 minutes where it's just your legs in those fucking steps. And that's I've enjoyed that at this point where it's like me versus the machine. You versus me, pal. Me and Raycons taking you on with Jeezy thumping in my eardrums. Let's get to it. And I've enjoyed the hell out of it, to be honest. How many stories you done? I, I did uh I did a hundred that's a lot this weekend. So how long is that continuous on there? That's a building. A hundred was like thirty five minutes for me. Thirty minutes. I bet you're dying. I bet you're drenched in sweat and your legs are shot. Dead. I had a hoodie on too, so I went like an extra step. You know what I mean? Because oh. I was like, "Hey, need to lose this fat step." Trying to sweat off some, trying to sweat off some cheap pounds. I used to have coaches tell me that uh, cheap <laughs> pounds. Hey, these are some new pounds I put on in the weekend. <laughs> I need to get these boys off of here. But yeah, I had full hoodie on. Did a hundred floors. I mean, I'll probably do that again today. I'm getting back into it. And then I'll go get in that pool that the heater broke. Uh, no. Oh no! What are you? No. So it's a lake now. What oh, do we got? A fucking lake? Jeez. Might as well have it above ground. You don't have a solar cover that heats it? <laughs> what did he say? I didn't, even, I didn't hear him. He said I might as well have an above ground pool. And I agree. I, by the way, had one growing up. Tim almost took it down because he strapped himself to a harness to the side of the boat to train and almost took the whole fucking thing. <laughs> Tim McAfee was too strong for the current. Anyways. Yeah, I have, a, I have one of these big-ass things that can hold an elephant, allegedly, if you were to walk across it. But every time I accidentally slip on it, it sounds like it's breaking in half. Elephant, yeah, sure. It's, yeah, look right. it up. It says it's tested by an elephant. You can look it up. Pool yeah, it's cover. There to, it's Baby there for elephant. safety for kids. So people have a pool. They have that cover over it. They'll go stand a, a whole nine people on it. Like, hey, look, your kid's not going to fall in and die. Smart. So that's why you get those. Yeah, but mine hasn't been updated, I think, for 20 years. So that thing's ready to break at this point. It's ready to go. It's slow as shit, too, when I open it. It's like a 15, 20-minute process. By then, sun has come and gone twice. It's like, all right, let's get it open. I'm not a big pool guy, but I've been getting into it. Stairmaster in the pool, I feel like I'm really finding the, be- the best me. I feel good I think it's me. good. You're on like you're on this path. I just hope you don't, like, I hope you don't run it too like hard early on to where it fizzles out. Well, 
That's going to happen. I mean, that's kind of you. That's you, right? Almost. Yeah, I'm going ham, and Burning then I'm done ends. with it. Going ham, then I'm done with it. But like I am. You, go ahead. You probably like. You learned Spanish for a month, and then you forgot completely that you did it. Like piano, guitar, <laughs> drums, stairmaster, workouts, pool workouts, and everything goes for like two or three weeks, and then all of a sudden you even forget you did it. Well, funny you say that because I have, I know the way I operate, and if it can get into my routine. We'll figure it out. If it can just make its way into the routine, we'll be able to figure it out. So the Stairmaster has made its way into the routine. So I'll be on this for another month or two probably until I get done with it and have to move on. But that's I have tried on numerous occasions. The guitar, I have three guitars. Every time I buy a guitar, I'm like, okay, this is what I'll do. I'll learn how to do the guitar. I'll get it in. I try it once. I'm like, okay, I'll do this tomorrow. This was kind of fun. Then I go back tomorrow. I don't have any more success than I had on the first day. And I'm like, well, probably not going to fucking waste any more time on this. <laughs> and I've done that three different times. Piano, I've done that, and Spanish, I've done that. So you're 100% right. They just haven't made their way in. You know, at some point, though, they'll make their way in, and hopefully I'll be able to do it. You know, hopefully I'll be able to do it. I think everybody can relate to that. Like, you know, everyone's like, oh, with this quarantine, let me find something with my extra time, and oh, I'm going to get – there's an app called Duolingo. Like, yeah, the Spanish thing, I'm with you. I've tried multiple times. Yeah. I've even gotten – pretty far down the road and then i realized nope i don't know really anything and then that's <laughs> when it dies off well you're gonna need the word box anyways you, like the word bank anyways so you might even if you're able to understand it you're not gonna be able to answer you're not gonna have what are you gonna do pull these words that you learned on the internet out of your fucking ass to answer no you have no idea like you might be able to understand it a little bit but you're not gonna be able to answer you're like zito basically you're technically <laughs> oh, just yeah. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Zito can answer a little bit though, can't you? Oh uh, yeah, I, I I like if I can remember the word he just I'll use the word he used at me yeah. back at him in a particular fashion. Exactly, so right. I, I can hear him, but yeah. then I just forget. Your parents, okay? Zito, is your family uh, disappointed, Zito? They're okay. not, no, they, they're the ones that put me in it. <laughs> remember, oh Spanglish, he didn't he couldn't speak either. My yeah. bad. So he had to pick. Whoa, 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 I can speak both, but I com combined. No, combined. You, could, you could not speak either. You you spoke one language of both of them together. Spanglish, yeah. But it was so bad, nobody could understand you. Not even other Spanglish speakers. Wait, how old were you when this was happening? Uh, I'd probably say this is probably close to like fifth grade or fourth grade. Oh, that's pretty deep. Might no, be third grade, actually. They were fed remember. up with it. Yeah. The parents are finally, the teachers were like, well, we it's don't fucking funny. understand what he's saying. <laughs> Blocked it all out. We, we, we try to ask the Spanish kids if they know what he's saying. They don't know what he's saying. Nobody knows what he's saying. <laughs> And the parents are like, his parents are like, yeah, we've been experiencing the same thing at home. We just haven't really let them know that we don't understand what he's saying. <laughs> what should we do with What him? should we do? He keeps asking for hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Dogs. We can hit. Oh, oh AJ, what do you mean? AJ, what are you saying, what are you AJ? About, AJ? What are you saying? What are you talking about? I mean, you had Adam Amin. You're making a Gordo comment. I just oh, come on. Oh, Bring it back oh, up, AJ. Jeez. Louise, AJ. Oh, didn't know you were into bullying. Yeah, got it. Wait till you see this bad boy right here. Can you see the line? Oh, yeah. Were, were you riding the hog out there with your cutoff on? Oh, there it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was on the hog. You don't swim with your cutoff on, do you? What? <laughs> I would. You said you're a lot, a lot of pool time, and I'm like, all right, well, if your farmers is just right there, or you might have been swimming with that on. No, I have a pretty good I have a pretty good little base tan on the chest and the arms as well, but when you're out on, on the hog, you know, uh, with a sleeveless, and you, you put sunscreen on the front here, you see? You put it on the front, and then you put it on the front here. What you miss is that back part. 
that just gets absolutely cooked. Yep. And there's quite a defining line down my back there. But we had a nice weekend, you know. I mean, it was obviously very sad with everything that was happening. We we had a little uh, we had a little lunch yesterday out on a patio in Indianapolis. Restaurants are starting to open back up. We talked about the world a bit. Yep. You know, it was a good little day. But I did get cooked by the sun. A little golf outing too. On yeah, didn't Saturday you guys play golf? Well? You did you FaceTime me from the course? Uh, probably not. Potentially. Maybe. I mean, you FaceTime me Saturday at some point. You should have heard the move I tried to make there on the golf course. It just oh. backfired completely. AJ, you'd love it. AJ, you'll love this move. This is very much a me move, okay? Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to go golf because I don't like holding people up. You know what I mean? I don't like waiting for people in front to golf, and I don't like holding people up behind me. I just don't like it. I understand that's a part yeah, of golf. You want to you block off like the first eight tee times so no one's in front or behind. Well, Bingo. Seven. That's exactly what I did. Yes. Seven. I, bu- I bought seven tee times, okay? So I bought seven tee times for me and the boys here. Wait, did you, you have to pay greens fees for all those? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, I paid seven. I, I so paid seven. You're like Vince Young when Vince Young supposedly like bought out a whole Southwest plane so he and a couple people could fly on it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I would say just get a private plane. That is what I do. Different scenario. But yeah, different scenario here. But this course, obviously, first weekend really back to life uh, and everything like that. They were packed. A lot of courses were packed. I actually told Foxy, I was like, hey, it's not for me to go. I hate the feeling of people waiting on us. Like, I don't want, I hate being in I'm with you. I hate that feeling when people are behind. Like, I it's i don't know what it is i don't like it i don't i don't like being the reason why people have to wait and we were playing six wide too like we were playing betting games like like i wanted to enjoy the day out there and i said if you find a golf course that lets us have like an hour and 10 minutes of tea times i'll go so they called like 10 different golf courses they find one that has it and they're like yeah we could definitely do that for sure let's go so we get all seven tea times at this place we go i pay for it i'm like i can't believe this is happening this is awesome we tee off okay we tee off six wide the tee times are already 30 minutes behind though right so they're already behind 30 minutes okay from everybody that was in front of us so we teed off bang we go we're supposed to have seven tee times now they sold as soon as we teed off and we get off the green there's people teeing off right behind us going because their tee times were so far delayed. The people behind us had a tee time that was supposed to be whatever seven after it was, yeah. Yeah. and they just went right behind us. So literally, I got scammed and, and hoodwinked by the golf course for, you know, good for them though. They were out of business for five months or a couple months and all that stuff. But I paid a lot of money, a lot of money for that. that and. Uh, Instead, by whole two and a half, I was a burden for a group of four behind us. And I was like, I'm getting the hell out of here. I, I can't do this. And I just left. So I golfed a little bit, but not a lot, strictly because I hate being the person that's in the fucking way on the golf course. You know why? Because I hate when somebody's in my way in front of it. So I've always said, you know what? Not going to be that guy. Mm-hmm. And I buy 17 times and it doesn't get upheld. They can take the reservation. You see, they just can't hold the reservation. Yeah. And that was a problem. Did you have groups in front of you? Were you having to wait on somebody? Oh, yeah. yeah. We were waiting. We bought seven tea times. We were waiting, and people were on our ass. I mean, absurd. It was absurd. Now, next time we do this, we got to hire somebody or get somebody that is close friends of ours, but not really. Mitt. 
probably met <laughs> probably met in a friend of his. We tee off, and then he tees off at the last tee time, yeah. and he just keeps the distance in between whatever it is. That's the way we would have to do that. This is my first time ever doing that, and it was a pretty absurd idea, actually. I was like, I'll go if we can get an entire hour, hour of tee times. And Foxy's like, okay, I'll do it. I've never heard of it before. And I was like, there's no way that works. And then turns out it doesn't work, but they <laughs> will charge you for it. So that's what happened this weekend. And then I left after hole five, I think. Yeah. Went home, wasn't golfing great, was in people's way. They played through it one point. It was like, all right, well, give, it was a more mess. Times after give me too. the fuck out. Well, here. if you were playing with, you, you had six, you had six in your group. Yeah. Most courses won't let that even happen, so I'm sure the people behind you were super mad. Oh, were they super mad? They should see how I felt because they, they weren't don't know. supposed to be fucking know. behind me. They don't know that happened, though. I know they're like I actually said they're Jordan Love in this situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like they are. I was very nice to those people, by the way, too. Yeah. Yeah. As they were on our ass, we were nice to them. As they were driving through our hole, I was nice to them. When I left and I drove past them, I was nice to them. I understood that it was not their decision to do that. It was Gunter Gunter's who was in the in the uh, oh, clubhouse, clubhouse yeah. just sending people. Fucking Did you out. see the group of twelve that passed us? No, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, I, I don't know if you were there. For I that. was there for the group of twelve again. Oh. Yeah. Anyways, I actually ended up helping them because they were behind on tee times and then they were able to just catch right up because I, I bought out the, the delay, which is, I'm happy I could help small business actually, to be honest with you. Good for them. Good for everybody. Sad weekend. I got to get out of here. How do you feel about our show today, AJ? Pretty good? Yeah, it was good. I'm glad Adam Amin joined us. It was fun. You had, you recapped J.R. Smith and the Raycons, so everything's good. Raycons? Oh, he swore a lot on the show. And I just got a text from uh, the radio, the radio company, and I thought it was going to be them chewing me out because he said shit five times in the first minute of our conversation. In our radio connection, our guy Don, he's a good guy. He's got to deal with a lot. He's a good guy. He goes, "Is there any way you can tell him to stop?" And as he said that, I just took him out of my ear. I was like, "I'm not telling J.R. Smith (laughs) to stop saying shit right now. This is." Everybody wants to hear what J.R. Smith is talking about. And if he's comfortable enough to start saying shit early, I'm not going to stop him. Yeah. This is what we want somebody to get to. It just happens to stink when the FCC is taking money from people for swearing. It's like, well, this seems like this is a you problem. Also led to an all-time quote later on in the show that oh, dude. might have had a swear word. Have you heard what he said about being a lion and a tiger? No. Oh, my God. He gave his quote where I talked about LeBron and Jordan. And then he agreed with me and Foxy about how it's impossible to kind of judge the different eras of basketball because it's two different sports. It's two different sports entirely. What it was in the 90s led to what it is now, but the game has evolved so much, both rules-wise, nutrition-wise, technique-wise, strategy scheme-wise, everything. It's just gotten so much better. The athletes have gotten much better. So it's just hard to compare the two. He agreed with our statement on that, I think, right? Yeah, Yeah. definitely. And then he said, um, it's like comparing, he said, comparing LeBron, uh, LeBron and Jordan is like comparing a lion and a tiger. Like, yeah, they're both cats, right? They're definitely both cats, but you can't really compare the two. He said, the lion's the king of the jungle. People bow down to the lion, but the tiger's like, hey, I'm a bad motherfucker too. <laughs> that was his actual quote. And we all lost it. And I assume everybody at the radio stations were like, oh my God. Oh my God. Did he just say motherfucker? Well, he just said motherfucker twice in one. How do we... Shit five times at the beginning. FCC's calling them behind. Yeah, so we might have to pay some money in fines, to be honest with you. But it was a gr- I'm very thankful he came on. That's a great quote. You're, you're the new Howard Stern, where the FCC just has to keep their finger on you. and have, they're gonna, You're going to probably end up in lawsuits and everything. What did Howard Stern get paid? $80 million a year? $85 million a year? Yeah, something, something like that, year? yeah. Mm-hmm. 
you're on your way. I'm on my way. Home sweet home. I couldn't hear that because this thing was out. Sound good? It was a good it echo, good reverb on it. AJ? It sounded great, yeah. Do the boys always know the songs that you're singing, or how's that work? Every yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have a meeting before every show and say, hey, boys, these are the songs that are going to come up, so make sure you know at least a little bit of it, at least the melody. Okay, need the melody. That's all How we disappointed need. would people be if they thought that like, that was really the truth? Like, guys, hey, now you know how I'm like, <laughs> i got to give off the impression that I'm really like, fly by the seat of my pants, but you, you give them a list of like 80 songs that they have to be prepared to sing along with for every show. Yeah, that's what the boys got. They got an yeah. entire script oh, yeah. they got to read out. Whole playlist, and, actually. Yeah. Sleeve, actually. <laughs> we're all, yeah, we're all the same playlist. I did not know that one. What? Oh, oh my God. That's the problem, Foxy, by the way. Right? That's, that's the problem. That's the show, Foxy. God damn that's the show. Thanks well, for ruining it, Foxy. Jesus. He has to deal with some stuff at home, though. It's tough. <laughs> 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 all right, this show's over. The greatest sports talk show on the internet from one to two weeks in standard time. So come on down for a mental vacation with the boys on YouTube Live. It's McAfee and Hulk. It's McAfee and Hulk Sports Talk. AJ used to tackle quarterbacks and he's a rust spout kind of guy. That's the punter of the decade for the 2010s. Kicking pants, missiles to the sky. It's McAfee and Hawks Sports Talk. It's McAfee and Hawks Sports Talk. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but are you looking for the perfect Father's Day gift? Of course you are. Omaha Steaks can help because we all know that Dad doesn't want another stupid tie, okay? Dad wants steak. And for a limited time, you can find a variety of packages filled with naturally aged, hand-carved, richly marbled Omaha steaks and more. Perfect for your father's special day. That's the world's greatest steaks, plus premium meats, easy meals, and so much more ready to ship and all backed by 100% money back guarantee. Make Father's Day simple this year. Send dad the gift he really wants, and that's Omaha! Omaha! Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks comes through every single Father's Day with their meat, which is from a family company that was founded in 1917. America's original butcher always delivers in beautiful fashion. Perfectly aged beef, hand-carved by master butchers in the heartland of America. Steaks are the most tender and most flavorful, and you can only get steaks of this quality. From our friends at Omaha Steaks. And they did it again. They did it again. Every Omaha Steaks order is flash frozen, vacuum sealed, and safely delivered in a cooler with dry ice. That means fresher than fresh. What's cooler than being cool? Ice cold. What's fresher than being fresh? Omaha Steaks. Make Father's Day simple this year. Send Dad the gift he really wants, and that's perfectly aged Omaha steaks. And get free shipping and free steak-cut bacon with select packages. Hello, free shipping and free steak-cut bacon with select packages when you visit omahasteaks.com and type PAT in the search bar to shop for Father's Day today. That's omahasteaks.com and type PAT in the search bar 
for a variety of packages, free shipping on them, and some of the packages include free steak cut bacon. Take advantage of this and give the gift that your father is absolutely going to love for Father's Day. And buy one for yourself to store that thing for later. Good meat is always a good time. Back to the show. Joining us now at a big weekend, ESPN MLB insider, Jet Passing. Here you go, Jet! 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 What's going on, Jet? Oh, no. Oh, you're muted, Jet. Jet. Oh, no. Classic Jet. Oh, no, you're muted, Jet. Jet, Jet. you're muted. Oh, no. There he is. Big Jet. There he is. Uh, Jeff Passan, I want to let you know. I was got this weekend by Jet Passan. I will show you how I, I have receipts. Diggs fires that thing into the group text. Says big baseball news. I see your beautiful face, your name, Bing. Click on it. Here we go. Something I didn't think was going to happen got happened in that tweet, which was why I should have known. They said that the MLB and the MLB cu- uh, PA come together for an agreement. That seems like that's nowhere in sight at this point. Am I accurate in saying that, Jeff? You are very accurate in saying that. And the problem is at this point, the two sides are just so far apart and there's so little time if they actually want to get a season done that they have a lot. I mean, put it this way. If, if we're going to do like a football analogy, it's not like they're on the one yard line and they have 99 yards to go with a minute left. Okay. They are both like in their own respective tunnels <laughs> right now. And, and they are like, it's, it's that far apart and there's just, there's there's no daylight, but there's also no time, which makes this so extraordinarily difficult. Okay, so it feels like the players pitch 114 game, 114 game season. It, I think their financial push is going to be we just want our prorated contract. So that's why they're pushing for more games because obviously with a proration of more games, you get more money. And I accurate in saying that. And are the team owners going to give in on that at all? Uh, the, I think the team owners actually may be more likely to give them the proration or close to it. I, I don't know if full proration is a possibility at all, but close to it, the fewer games they get. I almost wonder if the, the clubs are going to come back to them and say, you know what, forget 114 games, forget 82 games, let's do 65 games or something like that at uh, a higher salary. But the, the problem with that is if you're doing a shorter season, either you got to start it in early July and do your playoffs in like mid-September to mid-October, or you run the risk of running into the NBA, the NHL, soccer, uh, the NFL, and college football. And, And you, like these months that baseball is used to having all to itself, suddenly have become the domain of all of these other sports and and there's the possibility that it's going to get absolutely cannibalized they're going to get lost in the shuffle for sure and the conversation around baseball people you big baseball guy jet passing big baseball guy ty schmidt (laughs) big baseball guy is that this could be catastrophic for the league if they don't have a season i don't see it that way i i don't think it'll be that catastrophic i think a lot of people in america because their attention will be taken by other sports including golf too you forget golf is even going to be in there and the afl Mm -hmm. i think if they were to come back next year i think people would be like oh baseball's back like it's almost like a more of a celebration how much money do the teams lose if we don't have a season and is it looking like that's probably going to be the case i mean the teams say that they're going to lose four billion dollars if there's not a season 
That's a lot of billions. It is a lot of billions. And and the thing is, though, they're also claiming that they're going to lose possibly even more money if they play and if players get their full prorated salaries. So this is just, you know, here's, here's the problem, Pat. And, and I understand your sentiment here. Just bang the season all together, come back next year, fresh start. But if they lose the season this year, they didn't lose it because of fear over coronavirus. They didn't lose it because of civil unrest around the country. They lost it because they couldn't figure out how to split up some billions of dollars, man. And that is the thing that look. sticks in the craw of people for a long time. If amid this catastrophic unemployment, if amid uh, all of the issues that we've got in the country right now, something that uh, could unify people, could give people something to look forward to, does not happen because they can't figure out the money part of it. I, I think that is the kind of thing that long term absolutely crushes baseball in the minds of fans out there who have been looking forward to it coming back. I think that's the diehard fans, right? The diehard fans that go to games, the diehard fans that watch every single game, the diehard fans who buy the merch, those fans seeing every other league get done, every other league be able to figure out the NBA with bigger superstars, the same amount of cash basically being thrown around, they figured it out. The NFL, they're able to figure it out. NASCAR's able to figure it out. Motocross is able to figure it out. AFL's <laughs> able to figure it out. Golf's able to figure it out. But for some reason, the sport that I spend my time loving and people bash me for liking the MLB because it's a boring sport that's too long and not exciting enough but it's my thing if they're the league that can't figure it out I could see how that person could be very upset for a long time and Pat if you lose your diehards who do you have bingo it's why if you're a bar you need regulars pal let's go ahead let's that's, get the regulars in that's here. right let's and 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 here's the thing right now the regulars are being fed well liquor when they're asking for top shelf stuff. And, and, no, they are. And and they're looking they're looking at this right now saying, "Okay, guys, enough messing around. Like we just want baseball back on the field. Please figure this out, not just for the sake of of yourselves, but for the sake of of the fans who need something. Like, I'm sorry, 2020 sucks right now. In bad. every regard possible, 2020 has been a mess. All we want is a little bit of baseball. We're not asking for too much here, guys. We're asking for you to bring the game back onto the field so for three hours a night we can divorce ourselves from this reality of sucktitude and, and go into this alternate universe where life is okay because there's a game being played. And I, I, I hope that the owners in their thirst for money power and wealth i hope for uh, the players in their thirst for what they feel is equitable which is in this case also money power and wealth somehow find a happy medium where they can give the people what they want that's what you're here for give the people what they want that's not going to happen with the owners though we know that look at the nationals owner the nationals owner is worth five billion dollars or something like that and just cut the paychecks to the minor league people who didn't even have a season already losing money now the nationals players are like 
uh, okay, we'll put a fund together to pay our guys, I guess. It's just anytime you, you deal with those billionaire business people, they don't have a single ounce of, not all of them, obviously. There's different yeah. billionaires and things like that. But a large portion of billionaires in the business world get up there because they show no empathy to any. I have no idea how they do it. I have no clue how it exists. I have no clue how you sleep at night. I guess, well, you sleep on a comfortable pile of money. It still doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> I, it, so what are the next steps that we got, Jeff? What are the next steps here? Because the MLBPA, the proposal that they just sent over to the MLB was an answer to a proposal that the MLB over but they said we're not even talking about that will the mlb do the same exact thing that the mlbpa just did and said you know what let's not try to adjust what you just said like you just did to our mlb proposal we'll send you back another one are those the next steps and are those currently happening right now yeah i mean there's conversations going on right now and it's i i think the baseball season pat hangs in the balance this week it really to me depends on how the owners respond to this proposal because there were a couple of things in this proposal that were little tiny gives that the players had not not big ones that are going to get a deal done i mean this thing's it's outright rejected already but but the two things that i saw number one players were not on board with the idea of expanded playoffs when MLB floated it back in February, or when it was first reported back in February. You know, expanding from 10 to 14, uh, you're gonna get, uh, you know, this playoff selection show. There's all sorts of different elements to it. Players were not down with that. Players in this proposal said, not only will we accept expanded playoffs, but we will take it for two years now. Oh, look so at that. That's a, hey. Good guys. So hey. that's wow. that's a little gift. I think, the, I think this, the second part, though, is the most important one. And from the start, I've been talking about the potential path to a compromise being through deferred money. Now, deferrals are something that happen in baseball all the time. Max Scherzer, deferred money. Chris Davis, deferred money. Scott Boris you know, the author of so many of these big contracts Bobby uh, and, and somebody who has been an integral part of these negotiations is like the king of deferred money in baseball. So players have no leg to stand on about deferred money being a bad thing. What they offered in this uh, in this deal was if there is no postseason this year, uh, if because of COVID-19, the playoffs get canceled because the second wave comes and Got hits, okay. then the owners can get $100 million back from players. Uh, and that's funded by guys whose salaries are $10 million or more per season. Look at this. So this that, feels like that money, that money would, would be taken <laughs> and deferred until 2021 and 2022 now it's a conditional deferral it's a tiny deferral compared to the money that we're talking about here but what it does is it opens the door for discussions about further deferrals and that is where progress might get made well jeff i'll tell you what anytime we need baseball information your big brain and your fake bookcase are the ones that deliver it to us and we can't thank you enough for that uh, my big brain. It's not the only big thing you got here. Oh! Big bat! Big bat! He's got a big bat! Uh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> legend Jeff Passon. Please keep us up, Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Boys. I love that man. He's the best. Good dude. I love that man. I can't thank you enough for listening today. Big shout out to J.R. Smith stopping by. I know it wasn't easy for him. He doesn't do a lot of conversations. And the fact that he stopped by the chat was beautiful. Jeff Passon. Also known as Jet Passon. Ooh, that was a big yawn. Sitting at the house. 
Jet passing, J-E-T-T, passing. Such good baseball knowledge from him. Such a good baseball mind. Good personality, can explain things well. And he's dialed in. I'm a big fan of when Jeff stops by. Also, AJ and Adam Amin, legendary humans. Need to talk to J.R. Smith more. That was a cool conversation. I think we saw a side of him that not a lot of people has ever seen. Just ready to go. Father of four. Can't thank you enough for listening. Once again, if you like this show, please tell a friend to tell a friend. If you didn't, just act like it never happened. And, and by the way, never, ever asked this in my entire life. If you want to uh, rate and review the show, please do. But only if you're going to give, like, good remarks, you know? If you're not going to do it, just kind of go away. But good remarks. Let's go. And I believe Zito said he'll be giving out free merch to good reviews of the show. Get clever. Get funny. That type of stuff. Free merch potentially coming your way. All right. We'll see you on Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. Ty Schmidt, please play some independent music.